This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, co-founder and CEO of uh, Visionary Wealth Advisors and the host of the Circuit of Success podcast. And today I'm joined with Daniel Hack. Daniel, how you doing, man? Fantastic. Excited to be here and have a great conversation. Uh, I'm excited to have you, man. I stumbled across your story, I believe, through Instagram, through a uh, conference maybe I was a part of uh with steve weatherford as, as you know steve and so uh excited we got to connect and then now here we are so uh thankful to have you we were talking before you are in san diego it's 72 and sunny every day and in st louis it's like in the morning you got your heater on full blast and then by the afternoon you've got your window down your sunroof open and you're just loving life because it's warm again that's the that's the world we live here in st louis yeah, well, that keeps you on your toes, though, right? See, we, right. consistency sometimes can breed some complacency here. So it's something that we fight against. That 70-degree uh, weather, we just, you know, we'll, we'll have to do other things to breed that, like go into cold plunges or things like that. That's right. Weathermen, they, uh, the weathermen and women, they earn their money around here, man. Because to be, uh, as we were talking before, you could be sledding one day and literally going golfing in shorts the next. But... That's the way it is here. We chose to live here and you chose to live in San Diego. So that's very nice. But man, you are the founder of Gratitude, um, which is what I've learned from doing my research is more than just a company, man. This is a movement. And I want people to get a glimpse of your story, just kind of what's made you the man you are today and and what uh, helped you start uh, Gratitude and the company, again, the movement that you're having and make a huge impact out there, man. So if you can give us a little lay of the land, what's made Daniel Hack the man he is today? Definitely. Yes. So we champion mental health with empowering lifestyle products. So the whole, the, the word that we use, we're really a lifestyle movement brand. So what we do is we utilize our sunglasses, our journal, um, and some of our other products just to be able to reach people and impact them. So our whole goal is always to champion mental health. So with our sunglasses on the inside of each of them, it says live life through a lens of gratitude so that the sunglasses are a trigger and a reminder that we do have the choice to live life through a lens of gratitude and on our perspective of how we look at things. Because a lot of times we'll look at things and we'll think they happen to us when in actuality they happen for us, but it sometimes takes until hindsight to be able to see that. Um, so on the other side of the, the sunglasses, it also says, make it a great day. My dad used to say, we don't have control over everything that happens, but we do have control over how we respond to it. So instead of having a great day, we can make it a great day. Uh, unfortunately, he died back in 2010. I uh, struggled with mental illness. Uh, and it was his third bout of depression. Um, and so he died by suicide. 
So for each pair of sunglasses that we sell, we give back a pair to someone who has lost a family member to mental illness. And through that, we give them resources and other things to really help them um, get through and process that loss. Because our goal is really to, to help and serve those people. And so, thank you. well, one, thank you for sharing that story. Um, and so, so how old were you when your dad passed? I was 21. So I was a junior in college. Man. So, so talk us through that. That's obviously a very difficult day. Did you know your dad at 21 years old was dealing with depression to the level that he was dealing with it? So I knew that he was going through depression when he first went through it. I didn't fully understand it. I just remember thinking, actually not thinking, I remember looking upstairs and I have this beat or this picture in my head of looking upstairs and asking what's wrong with that. And my mom said, dad's tired. He's sleeping now and not understanding why he didn't, wasn't leaving the room. I think I was in fourth or fifth grade at the time. Uh, and then he went through another one uh, when I was middle school, early high school. And then this was was the third time. So we knew that he was um, struggling with depression and really going through that. He had just spent a couple of weeks with my aunt. We didn't know that he was at the point uh, that he was. Uh, and one of the things that he said through the letter that he, that he wrote is it wasn't necessarily the depression. It was the fact that it was continuing to come back uh, that really broke him. So um it was really, honestly, it was a defining moment of my life. You know, what I think about it with the defining moment, you think about the before and the after. And so in that time, I had the decision. I could be a victim and be someone I, I could use that as an excuse for the rest of my life. I could say, yeah, but I lost my dad or my dad died by suicide. Uh, instead, what I did is, is chose to be able to impact people through that. So initially what I did is I really took a hold of that make it a great day. Uh, concept and I made that my core value for my life. So always wanting to be a positive person, always wanting to positively impact other people, but full transparency, I didn't actually deal with it for about seven to eight years. So I lived a very kind of surface level life for a long time. I was utilizing other things to get that validation or that, that emptiness that was in my heart, from not having my dad. Um, and with work, it served me well because I was successful at business because I wanted people, I wanted to have the things that people wanted. Um, but in terms of overall happiness, I felt like I was always just chasing this thing. Like there was a destination addiction where I'll be happy if, and I could never reach that point. So, so when, when you think, I mean, you don't just flip a switch and become, oh, now everything's fine. I'm going to make it a great day. Rah, rah. You know, you don't have that. So, I mean, when you were fighting through what I would call the quote unquote dark times, what, what, what did you do to eventually come out of the other end of that tunnel? Great question. So the most impactful thing, uh, and really the, one of the most impactful questions that anyone ever asked, and it was me listening to it. We talked about this briefly before uh, the impact that podcasts can have, because, you know, I love that quote. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Well, if you listen to podcasts, you can actually, listen to the conversations of high level people. And so I was listening to a podcast with Laird Hamilton and Gabrielle Reese and Tim Ferriss, it was interviewing them. And he asked a question, what's the one piece of advice you give your 30 year old self? And they asked the same question back to him. And he said, start meditating now. It's not just for hippies who play the didgeridoo. So it was like, okay, I read the four hour body. I read the four hour work week. This guy has studied everything. If that's the one piece of advice he, he's giving, I'm going to try this. So I took a transcendental meditation course, started to meditate. 
And what happened from there is what's called metacognition. So thinking about my thoughts where before I was just kind of in this autopilot and I really lived very surface level without even knowing it. One of my roommates brought this up later, but he said, I noticed how you would take really quick showers and you'd either have a podcast or music on before or after, because I didn't want to be alone in my own thoughts because I went to places that I didn't want to be. So I always just had different things going on, whether it be Netflix or music or friends or, you know, partying different things. And I didn't even fully realize it. So then when I started to meditate and thinking about my thoughts, that's when I started to realize that I was living for external validation. It's really sad to talk about it now, but I used to correct people when they would call my condo. I had a loft condo downtown San Diego with a glass ping pong table, all of the things. And when people would come in and call it an apartment, I would correct them and have them call it a condo because I needed that validation of other people for them to know that I was successful so that I felt good about myself because there was an emptiness there. So condo for you meant more successful than apartment. Correct. Okay. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I think it was, it was, I could see the face sometimes when people would be like, oh, do you own this? Uh, and it, it, it would be that. And I, I liked that validation. I remember feeling so you that. It. You didn't rent it, you owned it. Right. Which is why it was a condo versus an apartment. Exactly. <laughs> well, the bank owned it, right? <laughs> right it's very true, very true. That's what we always say. It's like, well, the bank owns it, you know. But, um, and so, no, I mean, I think that's that's huge, right, to know that and to think about that. You're in your late 20s at that time, I assume, and, and to have that validation. So would you go, like, to a local college or, like, a local uh, to get the, the meditation deal? So there's the transcendental meditation is actually the most studied type of meditation. So this was right before, like, Calm and Headspace came out. So there was a little bit more of, like, a, hey, I need to go out and seek this. Uh, and so they actually have two different locations where you can take an informational course. And then from there, you can, uh, you can then pay for, it's like a three-day class where you go at night and do that. And then one Saturday. So it's like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday um, type of deal. And so that's what I did to be able to, to take that meditation course. And so when you think about meditation, you know, I, I've meditated for years, but I you know, started with Headspace and now I'll use Peloton and now I use my own stuff. Um, just kind of thinking, being quiet with myself. But what is it like for you? I mean, cause a lot of people probably don't meditate. Some, some do listen to this, but probably most don't. What is that process like for you? What do you get from it? How do you slow down? How do you turn your brain off? Right, because we're always thinking and moving in a thousand different directions. That's the hardest part I found early on in my meditation life. Definitely, and so there's different types of meditation. So I've told that story multiple times, like probably hundreds, if not thousands, of times over the last you know four years, um, and I've had one person actually take the course. But mm -hmm. what I do is I give them uh, gratitude. Uh, meditation from insight timer. It's a free app so that they can at least start. Like you said, it gives you a place to be able to start. Then you can explore from there. If you're using a guided meditation, they actually take you through it, which makes it a little bit easier as a way to be able to start. There's normally positive affirmations. Obviously gratitude is a very powerful concept for me. So I always want to uh, point them down that way. Um, but then with any meditation, even if your mind is quiet, a lot of people think okay, I need to not have thoughts. No, what you want to do, at least with uh, transcendental meditation, is thoughts happen, okay? What the concept is, is that 
that's your mind like cleaning those out. So it's totally fine if you're thinking about things, you just don't want to be focused on them. So I love this kind of description of just have the thought on a cloud and let it float away. And then you're, you're just going deeper into this kind of meditative state to be able to do that. So what's told is to do it 20 minutes twice a day for transcendental meditation. But there's uh, also the guided meditation apps that you can utilize. And then a new um, different type of what I call meditation as well is breath work. And it's similar to the guided in that it is a guided breath work. But what you're doing is you're utilizing your breath to get into a deep meditative state, which I've been meditating for four to five years. And I still get a lot deeper of a meditation when I do breath work because you're doing something to be in a state. So you're using your breath to be actually get out of that kind of frontal lobe and have that quiet and get um, into your subconscious. And it's amazing the way that you feel after doing breath work. Uh, I know our mutual friend, Steve Weatherford, brings in um, a good friend of mine, Tyler Forbes, to do uh, a breath work for some of his events. It's called Breathe Degrees. And I absolutely love going to that, but also sharing that experience. Uh, and then they also have an online that I'll do a few days a week. It's just a little bit more of a long form guided meditation, essentially. I call it a music infused breathwork experience, but it is very similar to a guided meditation and that someone's taking you through it. Yeah, it's funny. I went through uh, Wim Hof, which you obviously have heard of. And so I, I did that for a month and man, I was literally, I'm a guy that if I went underwater at a pool, I would hold my breath for like 20 seconds and think I'm going to die, right? I can't hold my breath very long, but I got to a point through that that I held my longest was four minutes and 11 seconds, which was incredible. Wow. But man, I had to stop doing it because I was getting so much anxiousness about it because when I was done, I was like, lightheaded, like felt like I was going to pass out. I don't know if that's just part of the process and you got to battle through that, but man, that's where I got. And it started to worry me. It's like where I couldn't do it any longer because I was so worried. I literally was just going to black out. Did you ever experience that? Uh, I didn't, but what, with the guided stuff that I do, uh, I've done some Wim Hof, but I've done more of this. So Tyler actually went to a Wim Hof event uh, and then decided, and then was wanting to kind of become the soul cycle or core power of breathing and get a location. So I use their kind of online platform in their forum there, which it normally has like a, maybe a two minute hold um, up to, I think the most I've done is about three. So I haven't gotten where I've gotten past that four mark. Um, so I haven't experienced that specifically, but I could imagine that happening um, with some of the longer breath holds at the end, because essentially you're doing, the 40 rounds, your breath all the way out for a hold uh, for a certain period of time. And then you bring it in and then squeeze. And it's, um, it's a, it's a really unique experience. Yeah. Yeah. And now are you, do you do the cold plunge? Are you a big fan of that stuff? Yes. So full transparency, I have a Frigidaire freezer, just like Steve uh, in my, between my house and I have a, a garage with the studio above it. So I have a cold plunge there. Then I actually just put a sauna in so I can do the hot cold therapy and switch between the two. Because uh, there is there's no better feeling than after doing breath work and going through a cold plunge. You just feel so reset. But then there's there's so many positive impacts of a cold plunge. You know the mood boosting endorphins that are released. Uh, 
lowering inflammation, a number of different things that I love it. Also, until I got the sauna, I hadn't been in the cold plunge in a little bit because it was winter. So it got down to in the 60 degrees and 50 degrees here. So that's very cold for us. Well, we would take 50 and 60 being cold here. But, so talk to us about the cold plunge. For people that, that may not know what that is, it's funny. I've done, I have four boys, as I told you before we started recording, and I, um, I've done this where we'll, we'll get into the sauna, or not sauna, but the steam room, and then go right to a, uh, a bathtub that's, you know, maybe 45 degrees. And, and literally, man, I feel like maybe I'm just a wimp with all this stuff. But, like, I get in there, and it – I'll stay there for three minutes. My youngest is six. We give him like 10 or 15 seconds, you know, to get him out. I don't know if it's should be in there any longer or not. Maybe I should research it more, but they absolutely love it. We love doing it together, but, but walk us through, what is that? What do you get from that? Getting in an ice cold bath for one minute, two minutes, three minutes, whatever it may be. What do you get from that? Definitely. And three minutes is great. Don't, uh, don't put yourself out, but that's like, they've seen that I think it's past two or maybe three minutes that, you don't see the actual more medical benefits. It's more of a, an ego thing where you can see how long you can go. Um, so for me, one of the I main things. The entire time. Sorry to interrupt. I mean, I, I literally feel like I'm going to die. I'm like, this is brutally cold. Right. But, but guess what you do? You persevere through that and you're able to overcome those thoughts in your heads and your head to then control what's going on. So it's powerful and that we don't really uh, look into as much. And I love beach volleyball. So I look into breath work and, and the different things that I can do to be able to be the highest level athlete I can. And breath is really powerful for that. So doing the breath work, the reason that you see Wim Hof or Tyler with three degrees, then go into a cold plunge is what you can do is you're actually using your breath to get into a different state. So normally it is, I have, um, you know, I'm stressed out, my shoulders go up and I breathe really quickly. Um, or when I'm calm, it's low or it's longer, slow breaths. So when you're in the cold plunge, if you use nasal breathing, so breathe out with your nose and just deep inhales or deep inhale, deep exhale, then what happens is, is like I'll literally have, I always think about shoulders up and then I focus on relaxing one muscle group at a time. And then I'm able to use that breath to really control my external circumstances and control what's inside of me, which I think is really powerful in life. So we have a lot of things that are outside of us that we can't control, but we always do have control over ourselves and we can utilize the different tools and tactics to be able to do that. So that's a, a really powerful, just in like the conceptual way. Then there's the medical things like decreased inflammation, um, the mood boosting endorphins that are released, and, and on also it's sharing the experience with other people. Like you doing that with your sons, there's a reason Navy SEALs go through tough times together because it builds community. So if I have other people who I bring to breathe degrees or come to my house and do this, we feel closer because they've overcome something. Oh, if yeah. they're in the cold plunge for the first time, I can sit there in their ear, speaking life into them, letting them know that they have it inside of them to overcome it. And when they reach three minutes or two minutes or whatever it is, they then are empowered themselves so that maybe that, you know, negative thought that's in their head, uh, you know, I can't do this or don't go talk to that person or make that extra phone call. If you're in sales or hit snooze on the alarm, maybe that's quieted throughout the day. And I think a lot of us, that inner critic would be powerful if we could just turn the volume 
down on that and really empower that voice uh, of who we truly are. Yeah. It's incredible, man. You're, you're, you're totally right about the accountability to it or just the being there together. I mean, I, I, I can see my boy, especially Drew, was like, let's go. Like, he was fired up, man. He came out of that thing. And uh, so I, we're going to do it tonight. And they start spring break tonight. We're going to go home. I'm going to text them when we get down and say, we're doing cold plunge tonight. Because I got to get through that. I mean, that's, that's the step I got to get through. Because so many people doing this podcast, you hear about people doing the cold plunge. I've got a guy coming on next week that's a, is an expert and has created this unbelievable tub and all this stuff for it. Um, so, yeah, you, you know, it's certainly when you when you hear something this many times, it probably says you should be doing it, right? Exactly. Well, that was, it took a few, like I'd heard of meditation before, but it took a few different times of hearing it. Okay. We should probably do this. Uh, And I love that. I think it's a great opportunity. I mean, you said you have four boys to really empower some of your older, the older boys to then speak life into the younger ones so that they can continue to lead the same way that you lead as a father, that they can lead their brothers. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point, man. Very good point. Um, So, so many questions on this stuff, but I think one of the most important things I heard, if you, if you go to your website to plug your website, what's your website again? Gratitudemovement.co. Gratitudemovement.co. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, and, and also share this on YouTube. Share this on social media, man. Get this message out. This guy's doing amazing work. And uh, buy some sunglasses, too. I was looking at him today. I'm going I'm to buy me a new pair of shades. And there we go. And we have a special gift uh, for your uh listeners so we do have a discount code for 17 percent just put in circuit of success uh and you'll be able to do that and remember for each pair that's sold you're actually championing mental health and helping give a pair of sunglasses to someone who's lost a family member uh, to mental illness but then we also give them resources to really help them champion themselves and get out of that and process that yeah so they go to gratitudemovement.co they can find the glasses there, buy them, type in the promo code circuit of success. They get 17% off. We just saved them a bunch of money. And there we go. Next for the summertime, man, it's coming up. The sun's out. It's going to be awesome. But let's talk about, um, and we've, we've touched a little bit on this now, but the, just the power of choice, you know, the, the choice, I, I say this on the circuit of success. Every time I give a talk, it's your attitude, your belief system, your actions ultimately get your results. But I say, to start, attitude is a choice. We wake up every day. That alarm goes off for me. I have to have an alarm. It goes off every morning, and I have a choice. I can choose to be a victor. You said this earlier as well. I can choose to be a victim. I can choose to be in a bad mood. I can choose to be in a good mood. It doesn't mean you're waking up every day and, again, singing kumbaya, but, man, it's a choice, and there's power in that choice. So when you hear me talk about that, what comes to your mind? Definitely, and and that's the thing is we do have – I love the the difference between react and respond. Respond has intentionality. So that is, I am taking a pause. So I think choice, what that starts with, what even before choice is sometimes a pause. Like, okay, what is this circumstance? What is happening right now? So that I can choose to respond how I want to. So in any situation, we have that choice. When the alarm goes off, we can choose to hit snooze. But guess what that's telling ourselves? That's telling your subconscious every single morning that you are not worthy and you're not trustworthy, where if you want to build self-esteem and self-image, you want to do what you say you're going to do. And the alarm is one of the most important things there. And that's the thing. And I think even with the world that we live in right now, there's so many different things that we cannot control. And so we do have the choice of what we can 
but also give ourselves the grace or just know that like we can't control everything. I think we as humans, uh, especially high performers, we want to be able to control a lot of things where instead it's we make the choice to know that we don't have control over certain things. But what we do have control over is how we respond. What do we do in the ice pledge? What do we do when there is adversity and who do we want to be? Like we, we all have core values and who we are as people. Like, how do you want to show up as a dad? How do you want to show up as a husband, as a leader in your business on this podcast? You have that choice in every situation. And so it's really just the intentionality behind that. And I think too, you said the the control piece as as high achievers. I was just talking to a buddy over text messages this week. He was, he listened to the podcast that came out Monday with one of my best friends in the world, Derek Meinhardt, but and I do this thing on Sunday nights, it's a Sunday night planning and he texted it and we talked about how Sunday nights you could have some anxieties maybe around the week, right? And I think the more you prepare for that week, uh, the less anxiousness you're probably going to have. And we talked about, it. he said, it's probably a control thing. So we do want to have control, but we can't always control what's going to happen in our week. So how do you battle through that? Uh, I think it's, it's really just knowing that, that, I think the first is awareness. So having the awareness that I don't have control. So like, you know, something like sales, I don't have control if someone's going to say yes or no. I do have control over knowing and doing exactly the things I can so that I can, what I say, leave it all on the field so that I'm putting forth all of those efforts to be able to do that. But then also, I think you're hundred percent right. If you're planning and doing everything that you can to set yourself up for success. That's why I love the, the name circuits of success is if, if you're utilizing these different circuits that other people are doing, you're just going to continue to get into a place where there is more peace, which I think that's the goal. We want to have that peace, yeah. but we also know that it, we're, we're still human. So I think it's peace, grace, and really that choice to be able to do that because a lot of us don't give ourselves that grace um, in certain circumstances. Like, I know that I'm not supposed to hit snooze and I know what happens, but I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I do. And for a while, I'd be so hard on myself that just by doing that, it would actually set my day off on the wrong trajectory. So I had to really incorporate in that word grace and that concept into everything. I'm pulling up my iPhone here. So I put in um, the, the alarm section here. So I get alarms. I typed in, my two five-year-plus goals, I did this a couple years ago, and you can, you can go in, edit it right on the iPhone and say, I want to wake up at this time. I wrote down the two goals inside the app. So then real big on my screen, it'll come up and it says the two goals. And then underneath it, it says, you choose. And that's what it's saying. So I'm like literally talking, my phone's talking trash to me every morning because I'm a guy, I like to stay up late, but I like my sleep. And so I always struggled with that. And so I have found over the years, and again, like you said, you're not perfect, but when I find that I have this phone staring at me and it's telling me to choose, like if I want those two goals, those two things that I want long-term, if I want those things, I have to choose to get up. I have to choose my attitude. I have to choose the right thing because I'll ask you the question, Daniel, how many people do you know that are successful that have a bad attitude for a long-term? I don't think any. Yeah. How many people have a crappy belief system, right? Don't believe in themselves. Don't believe in a higher power. Don't believe in A, B, and C that are successful long-term. None. 
How many people don't take action that just automatically become successful? You got to work your butt off, man. You got to take risk, right? You get my point here is you got to do all these things and they're a choice. They're a huge choice. So I I love that you talk about that uh, in your deal. So how do we get, uh, how do we get comfortable being uncomfortable? Because we don't, I don't like uncomfort. (laughs) So uh, one, listen to David Goggins. That's the first thing. uh, Because I think he's here somewhere. Can't hurt me. Uh, It's on on the bookshelf. Um, So he was actually the inspiration behind it of, he had a question. Someone asked him a question. Is there anything you're self-conscious of or anything you're scared of or anything like that? He said, no, because when I was, I went right after it. So when I heard that, I'll just give a specific story of myself. I was self-conscious of dancing. Okay. I'm a basketball player, volleyball player, you know, sports, any racket sport. That's my thing. I can pick it up and be naturally uh, more uh, talented because I think talent is God given where skill is built. And so those came easy to me. Dancing did not. So what I did is I was like, okay, I'm going to get comfortable and uncomfortable. So I went and took some hip hop dance classes. I then hired a hip hop dance coach to teach me a routine and set a date. I love that you have the five-year goal there. I set a date up on my birthday. I'm going to perform this routine in front of all of my friends. So we had a barbecue on the beach in Mission Beach, which if you've been there, it's a big boardwalk right there by the roller coaster. And I actually performed the routine. Yes, it probably could have been better. And that's, that's the nature of us as performers and people who are always striving uh, to get better. But that's what I did. And what that did is now I can, I can go to a concert. I went to a concert after that. And it was the most fun I've ever had because I wasn't self-conscious of dancing. Even if it was just a little shoulder thing or just a little bit, I wasn't doing the full routine. But it gave me that comfortability within dancing to be able to do that. So it's really looking at what we are maybe uncomfortable with and going out and doing it and creating frameworks around it. Like the same way you have a framework for your alarm. Well, what I did is I said, I'm going to go to hip hop dance once a week. I'm going to schedule it because if it's just a video that I tune into, I'm probably not going to, you know, I'll find a bunch of reasons. And it's the same thing that happens in the cold plunge. I remember driving to those hip hop. I'm sorry. So, I want to make sure I make this point is think about what you just said there though. I hired. So you put skin in the game, you hired a coach. So anybody that wants to go do something, I have found if I put skin in the game versus watching the YouTube video, I'm I'm trying to play the guitar and I'm trying to do this thing through YouTube. Well, I don't have any skin in the game. So guess what? I haven't picked up the guitar in a couple months and I was starting to learn some stuff, but you got to hire somebody, man. So congrats to you. I apologize for uh, interrupting, but I think it's so important to learn that. No, I think that is really important. And even people who are in like the personal growth and coaching space, like they can give you the same exact thing for $10 or $1,000. But if you pay $1,000, the completion rates on it are so much higher or whatever rate it is because you've actually put the money into it. So it's not only that, you know, it's, it's them wanting to make money. It's actually the, the, the people who are in those positions know that you need to put money into it for us as humans to be able to get over that hump because it is something that's a little bit uncomfortable so like when i was driving to the hip-hop dance class it was that same voice that comes on when i you know want to sleep in or in the cold plunge or all these places of oh well you know it's at a park um so maybe you shouldn't go they're they're probably not going to show up you didn't get a, a confirmation text there was all of these things happening 
And then I was there and I was in the back and I was definitely the worst one. Uh, me and this older woman were joking around that we were starting a, a dance team. Um, but then at the end of it, I remember that joy. I remember that feeling of what that felt like driving back compared to driving there. And it is uncomfortable. Like that drive there was not a fun drive and I was battling my thoughts. But on the way back, because I overcame that and because I went through that process, I think process is such a powerful word to be able to get to where I, were, where I wanted to go was amazing because I, I persevered through that with which we as humans, like I think we're supposed to be in process to be able to continue to grow, to be able to get better rather than just have a destination in, in sight or a destination in mind. It's actually the process is the juice. The process is the place where all the growth and happiness and joy happens. Did you have any liquid courage, man, when you did your dance on the beach? Uh, no, actually. No, was, you didn't. No, no liquid courage. I was doing a year off of drinking at that time. So Holy uh, what was that like? A year of no drinking. So that was, that was definitely different because a lot of my life before that, so this was kind of the transition period. So I started the meditating. Um, and then I actually, which I'll jump into this really quick. I actually went and lived in a van for seven months, uh, after I realized I was living for other people's validation. Cause I found that if I, if I was impressing people with things that I had, what could I do to get out of that? Well, I'm going to go live in a van. No one's going to be impressed by a guy who lives in a van. So I actually rented out my condo, lived in that. And that was during that time that I met Steve, reconnected with my faith and really just listened to podcasts, played beach volleyball and went to dog parks because I had it all set up with AC with my dog. Um, and then after that, I, I think I maybe went out once when I was in the van and being hung over in a van is not a fun experience. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to do sober Q1. Uh, and then from there, I actually started doing 75 hard, which Andy Frisella started uh, and, and really just went, decided I wanted to do a full year. And it was amazing what happens when you cut out something that is, is a very focal point of our society and community. Um, and just the, the people that I would surround myself with or the people that I'd want to go hang out with if drinking wasn't a part of it. So it was powerful just to kind of reframe what I wanted in my life, what I didn't want in my life. Um, and I sometimes drink now, but definitely it's in a different way than previously. Right. Good for you, man. That's great. So what'd you learn by living in a van for seven months? <laughs> I, yeah, six months was my goal. So I made it an extra. Um, it's like Ed Milet's one rep more. Um, so I learned a lot about myself, honestly. I learned that I really didn't need that much stuff to be happy. I learned about what are the things that really meant a lot to me, which is community. Um, I love what I do for work. Like I love providing value to the world um, and really the impact that podcasts had. I learned a lot about myself, but then I also reconnected with my faith during that time. Yeah. That was loud. Sorry, that was really loud. Uh, so that uh, that is it's funny. I'm gonna grab these bags real quick. So, are you familiar with Made for? Yes, Andrew. So plugging, plugging other people's stuff here. Um, but the, you know, look, I got this bag this month, made for giving, and then uh, right here, made for clarity. And, and and I haven't fully read everything yet, but it's talking about 
the things that I've got to give up this month, things that are important to you in your life and just put them away for a month and, and seeing how important that thing truly is to us anymore. Right. And it's a powerful practice to take some of the things out. Um, and it's kind of like the book you were talking about essentialism, uh, that if you take some of these things out then you can see what's really important. So essentially what I did is I took out a lot of the social things and different things that I was doing and to see what I really wanted. I actually probably spent more time with friends during that because when you don't have, you know, a couch to go back to or TV to watch or stuff like that, you spend more time with friends and you see who you want to be spending time with. So I think it was a really powerful aspect for me to be able to do that and kind of have that reset. Um, and then during that, it was super powerful because I got connected with uh, the church that Steve was going to out here and really reconnected with my faith to have a relationship with a higher power. That's great. So uh, the same question that really kind of changed your life, that, that what would you tell yourself, right? That 30-year-old, what would you tell yourself? I mean, you're a young man still, so you can't go back 20 years and probably tell yourself something. Maybe you can, but uh, as you get older like me and other people that you know, have 20 years professionally, it, it's different. But what would you tell yourself? Great question. So I would say take the time to pause. Uh, that, that you have the choice uh, to respond and, and, and have the choice to in any situation, but we really need that time to pause, to be able to reflect, to be able to meditate, to really unveil that highest version of ourselves. I think we all have it inside of us. We always focus on being the best version of ourselves, but I think it's a combination of being and growing with unveiling that we all have it inside of us. And just to take a pause, to reflect, to see where you are, and also see where you want to go. Absolutely love that, man. So where do our listeners find more of you? Definitely. So for me, uh, my personal is I'm on Instagram at, at Daniel D. Hack. You can find us for gratitude at gratitudemovement.co. That's only the CO. Uh, and then obviously for the sunglasses, we talked about that a little bit earlier. Gratitudemovement.co. We've got the discount code for your listeners. Circuit of Success, get them 17% off and champion mental health with empowering sunglasses. And they're honestly amazing sunglasses. I get a lot of feedback that people buy them to support and really the cause and the movement. But then they're like, wait, these are actually really nice. So <laughs> they're designer quality for about half the price. I love that. You can't beat that. Man. Why, why 17%, not 18, not 16? Great question. So, it's random. Uh, no, not. I figured there's okay. nothing random, man. Yeah, so they've been they've done studies on what numbers are best to utilize, and seven, you know, like seven days in a week, and you know, seven days completion. So what we, they found is that using that number seven is actually more powerful than say doing nineteen. Nineteen makes sense. You're just trying to get to twenty. That's the closest thing you can do that doesn't look like twenty. Um, so for seventeen. That's the reason that we do that is that's a number that people will connect with more. And I think it also shows that it's not necessarily us wanting to give back the lower amount, but it's we want to give them a gift. We want to be able to do that, but also have a number that connects with them. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing that. One, I didn't ask you for that. You didn't have to do that. So our listeners, I'll thank you for that. And uh, man, we'll send as many people as we can your way. And uh, go check out his website, check him out on social media, tons of great stuff. And I uh, mean, it's been awesome having you here. Awesome to be here. Really enjoyed our conversation. And thank you for what you do to, to really bring these conversation and these circuit 
of success that other people have because I know that that there may be someone else out there that was like myself that one podcast changed the whole trajectory of my life so I want to thank you for that I look forward to hearing how the cold plunge goes with your sons tonight all right man I appreciate it all right make it a great day you too Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.